Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to take a little bit of a different tact as we talk about technology and video games, I guess, or at least things that ostensibly claim to be something video game-like. On your screen right now is a product, a service, a website that I wasn't familiar with until a lot of you emailed me or messaged me or otherwise found a way to get in contact with me to talk about it. It's called Earth 2, and apparently it's been taking YouTube by a bit of storm. You can see on your screen now, a YouTube search for the term Earth 2 comes up with Earth 2, a planet-sized scam. Earth 2, paying a stranger for the virtual planet. The worst scam game ever. The largest investors in Earth 2 react to my deep dive video. The scam of the planet, Earth 2, from Upper Echelon Games. And of course, the response video, Earth 2 is not a scam. And I know a number of people have commented, said, hey, you know, Upper Echelon covered this, Sid Alpha covered this, Big Fry TV, Kira TV covered this. Could you please take a look at this from a lawyer's perspective? Because a lot of people are making a lot of claims about this thing. And I looked at it, and originally I was just going to make a video about terms and conditions and terms of service, but I thought we could broaden it to talk about the larger concept of what is and is not a scam, what terms of service actually do, and where this company might be getting into a little bit of trouble, especially with the concept of financial investment instruments. And so we're going to talk about it all. We aren't going to call anything a scam here. You see the reference to pyramids in the thumbnail because we are going to talk about what a pyramid scheme is, what a Ponzi scheme is, because those phrases have been going around the internet, especially related to this project, a lot. But as with all things in virtual legality, we're going to leave the ultimate determination up to you, the viewer or listener. But I think there's a lot to be said here about what this is trying to do and what we are likely to see in companies in a new digital environment trying to do with things like blockchain technology, bitcoins, cryptocurrencies, and the like. And it's certainly something that the law and the Securities and Exchange Commission has been slow to deal with. Let's talk about it. Earth 2, as described on its own website, is a futuristic concept for a second Earth, a metaverse between virtual and physical reality in which real-world geolocations on a sectioned map correspond to user-generated digital virtual environments. We aim for Earth 2 to be the beginning of the Earth's fully immersive virtual reality simulator, similar to the Matrix or Ready Player One, and we are so excited to engage in this journey together. Imagine owning land in a busy and bustling virtual New York or even your local shopping mall or the house you live in. It may be closer than you think. Now, if you're sitting back there, you're hearing all this and they say, hey, well, that sounds pretty pie in the sky. It sounds maybe even more pie in the sky than something like Star Citizen. I don't think you're wrong there, but it's not necessarily a scam to shoot for the stars and try to convince people that you should give them money because we're trying to do this really, really big thing. Now, a lot of people have made videos about the fact that, hey, there isn't really a video game. They're using assets from other things. I can't speak to any of that. What I can speak to is, yes, if you hear things that are this full of what we would call puffery, marketing speak, then yeah, you should probably take a step back and examine what's happening because it seems unlikely that anything will come to fruition. But, you know, one company is probably going to have some success doing something like this, probably in our lifetimes, maybe not in the next couple years and maybe not in this format. Where it gets even more dicey, where people have really, I think, responded to this is with the obvious marketing push of this whole thing. Let's take, for instance, in their next page. By purchasing your own piece of virtual land in Earth 2, you're not only supporting the virtual future of our world, but also creating an amazing opportunity for yourself to make profit by becoming involved early. Okay, now we start to get into the language that should, in any investor's world or anybody with money that's thinking of putting money into anything, whether it's a Kickstarter or Earth 2, start to make you pause even further. Okay, when you start to say, hey, it's an amazing profit-making opportunity, especially if you get in early, all your red flags should be going up, all your red alerts, whatever you want to describe it as, those should be getting the hair on your arms to tingle, to stand up and say, hey, you know what? I'm not so certain that I'm going to invest in this thing. Why? Well, Let's dig in a little bit deeper. Benefits of owning Earth 2 land. Owning land inside Earth 2 can be one of the most exciting things you ever do. There are benefits to owning land now and potentially many more in the future as we build on the core foundation we are setting. 
the price of land inside Earth 2 fluctuates from country to country. And since each block is unique, they are each a one of a kind collectible digital item. You get that language that kind of reflects NFTs and other things that are out there right now, right? Our in-game trading platform is available and operational now. If you want to collect land someone else owns, you can make them an offer. And if someone wants land you hold, they can make you an offer. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds a lot like a stock market, right? And in fact, for another clue, you might look at the top bar here of this website and you'll see what amounts to a ticker of quote unquote companies represented by these countries and how they're going up or down in value. Now, they're only highlighting things going up. Maybe they're all going up. Maybe they're not highlighting the things that are going down. Who's to say? We don't know. But it gets a little bit even more pressure-filled and start to raise even more red flags as we continue on with this page. Referral system periodic bonuses. Land bonuses are in-game credits you can receive based on you playing the game and owning land and how many new players are joining a country in which you own land. Now, the use of game and players here is probably a little bit borderline because as far as I can tell, it's just a map uh, and a notion that you own pieces of this map. Just by playing and owning land in Earth 2, you can receive these in-game credits as a reward for being an early adopter and helping Earth 2's community to grow. Now, there's nothing ostensibly wrong with that to pay early adopters more. You go and look at any Kickstarter and you get discounts on buying something in the early tiers, especially if you do it fast. Right? There are things that fill up quickly if you look at a Kickstarter, and that's de by design to get it in headlines or press to show that this is a popular thing and to incentivize people for jumping in early. And you don't have to love that. It's marketing, but it's not ostensibly illegal. But we start to pile on on these things. There are only a limited number of Class 1, Class 2, and Class 3 tiles available in each country with better rewards for players holding a higher class of land. Get them while they're hot. If you get in early, you're going to make the most money. And if you get in early, well, if you refer people over to us, you'll get even more money. When purchasing land, users will be able to apply a referral code. This referral code will give the purchaser 5% credit back on their purchase and 5% credit to the owner of the referral code. Now, all of this is normal marketing and all of it can be used perfectly legally in marketing certain types of goods. But you start to add this all together with a product or service that doesn't really necessarily represent much of anything outside of what we now concept as things like NFTs and you start to paint a picture. We continue, resources gathered. When users find loot, treasure, or resources on land that you own, which doesn't appear to be a feature right now, but I could be wrong, please correct me in the comments if you know elsewise, will automatically be given a portion of the ownership. And when advertisements are delivered on land that you own, you will be given a portion of the revenue generated. Now, this all sounds like available later, available later, that this Earth 2, this company is going to be doing something with the land. They're going to be putting treasures in various places. They're going to be running advertisements on your land. They're going to be sharing revenue with you. That winds up sounding a little bit like you've invested in something. Keep that in mind as we talk about it a little further. And also digital assets. When users build on land that you own, you will receive a portion of the value of the digital assets they build on it. Investment, you're investing in something. Now, as I promised, let's talk about pyramid schemes and Ponzi schemes because these things fly around. In virtual legality, we are nothing if not thorough and really intentional about when we use phraseology. So let's turn to the Federal Trade Commission here to talk about what a pyramid scheme is. Pyramid schemes now come in so many forms that they may be difficult to recognize immediately. However, they all share one overriding characteristic. They promise consumers or investors large profits based primarily on recruiting others to join their program, not based on profits from any real investment or real sale of goods to the public. Now, one thing we don't see here is a promise of large profits. You do see references, as we talked about in the marketing description, to potentially getting profits. If you get in early, it's going to be your best chance. We've got all these kind of pressure moves to say, okay, you can get these tiles that are better if you get in early, that kind of thing. But it's not as much of a promise. When you get an absolute clear pyramid scheme, you have things of promised returns and whatnot. Some schemes may purport to sell a product, like the land here, but they often simply use the product to hide their pyramid structure. There are two telltale signs that a product is simply being used to disguise a pyramid scheme. Inventory loading and a lack of retail sales. Inventory loading occurs when a company's incentive program forces recruits, and forces might be a little strong here, to buy more products than they could ever sell 
often at inflated prices. And we're going to talk about how this stuff is priced in what I think are some really, really bad terms and conditions, which is part of why I wanted to make this video in the second half. You can skip to it if you're so inclined. But we can't tell if this is in fact the case. There is a quote unquote inventory of land on Earth 2. And if the incentives and the recruiting tools and everything else have caused people to buy this land to try to get the prices up on the trading market, but they're otherwise sitting idle and the company's only highlighting the really big sales, then you could say there's some kind of inventory loading. It's a little bit clearer when there's actual stuff that winds up sitting in your basement. The other concept I think is pretty clear here. A lack of retail sales is also a red flag that a pyramid exists. Many pyramid schemes will claim that their product is selling like hotcakes. However, on closer examination, the sales occur only between people inside the pyramid structure or to new recruits joining the structure, not to consumers out in the general public. And I think that's part of what makes this feel like a pyramid scheme, right? You even got a leaderboard here, which is ostensibly, again, related to games, but only showing things like highest net worth, the credits that are in people's accounts to show who has the most. And this is all trading that's happening between players because that's all that's allowed to trade. You have to register. Now, to Earth 2's benefit, they don't require a fee at the front end. That's the most obvious way to run a pyramid scheme is to have something that requires you to put in 500 bucks at the front end and that gets the provider of the scheme the money. That's not happening with Earth 2. Earth 2 so it's not a clear analog. And it's definitely not analogous or not easily analogous to a Ponzi scheme. A Ponzi scheme is closely related to a pyramid because it revolves around continuous recruiting. But in a Ponzi scheme, the promoter generally has no product to sell and pays no commission to investors who recruit new members. Instead, the promoter collects payments from a stream of people, promising them all the same high rate of return on a short-term investment. You could get into fraud and Ponzi scheme type stuff if... Earth 2 itself were otherwise using money from new recruits to prop up the sales price of other pieces of land. You get into those situations. We have no indication that that's happening right now. What we've got is language here and pressure tactics and things that people are reacting to with a baseline of a game, quote unquote, that doesn't appear to exist. And so you have folks online on YouTube saying, well, it feels like a scheme. I'm not denying that it feels like a scheme. I am a little bit circumspect about whether or not it's one of these big name schemes. Some people confuse pyramid and Ponzi schemes with legitimate multi-level marketing, says the Federal Trade Commission. Multi-level marketing programs are known as MLMs. And unlike pyramid or Ponzi schemes, MLMs have a real product to sell. More importantly, MLMs actually sell their product to members of the general public without requiring these consumers to pay anything extra or to join the MLM system. Now, you don't have to pay anything extra to join Earth 2. You do have to register and give them certain amounts of information and you have to sign up to their terms and conditions, but you don't have an obligation to bring other people in, just an incentive to do so that they've put forth. Again, it might be multi-level marketing. It might be a pyramid. It's all those kinds of things that are close. And at the end of the day, it certainly doesn't appear to be something that is likely to be as described in terms of a game. So if you're treating Earth 2 as what amounts to a new securities market, as a number of the YouTube videos indicate is happening, there are a lot of YouTube videos I didn't highlight that talk about this being something like a new Bitcoin and a new currency that you can just invest in based on something, but it's very little. It's these map squares here. And it's also not necessary to necessarily get to a pyramid scheme or a Ponzi scheme. You can just get hit for fraud. The Ponzi scheme was actually ended by an arrest for mail fraud. And you can see in the Federal Trade Commission, which I will, of course, link in the description, a whole host of talking about various pyramid and Ponzi schemes all the way through, I think, the 1990s uh, when the Federal Trade Commission actually put out this particular post and how these things are defined by them. Outside of pyramid schemes and Ponzi schemes and those kinds of things that YouTubers and people on the internet in general like to use, what other trouble could something like this be in? Well, as a corporate lawyer, as someone that deals in securities, this sure looks like a security to me. So if we go and we look at the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission's website, they talk about foreign private issuers. And I'm highlighting foreign private issuers here because we can't quite tell what the makeup of this company is just from afar, but it looks like they're operating outside the United States, which puts them in a different bucket of things to comply with when they're selling into the United States market, but it's not completely separate from the requirements of our laws. In a very broad overview, 
The Securities Act requires companies wishing to offer and sell securities in the United States to register the transaction with the commission or to follow the requirements of an exemption from the registration requirements. One of the things I talk to clients all the time about, if you're gonna sell a security, you have to go and get exempt from registration or you have to register that thing with the United States. In this respect, the SEC. And registration is costly, it's not very good. So we're trying to find exemptions and trying to make sure that any offering of securities comports with those exemptions. It's a major part of legal practice in general. Now. You might say, okay, Rick, we're talking about digital land that people buy amongst themselves and trade. How is that a security exactly? Or maybe more specifically, what the heck is a security, Rick? Well, as we often see in government statutes, it's not too helpful to look at the definition. When used in this subchapter, unless the context otherwise requires, the term security means any note stock, treasury stock, security future, security-based swap, bond, debenture, evidence of indebtedness, certificate of interest or participation in any profit-sharing agreement, collateral trust certificate, pre-organization certificate or subscription, transferable share, investment contract, voting trust certificate, etc., etc., etc. I'm not going to read the entire thing because as you can probably see on your screen, I've already highlighted one and that is the notion of an investment contract. The term security, which requires registration, includes this broad concept of an investment contract. Now that isn't separately defined, but the courts have had a long time to look at the question. So in one of the really big cases that if you've ever been to law school, you undoubtedly learned about the SEC versus Howie from all of 1946, the US Supreme Court dived into the question of what Congress meant when they were talking about investment contracts. And we can see here what it is the courts have held that they meant. In other words, an investment contract for purposes of the Securities Act means a contract, transaction, or scheme whereby a person invests his money in a common enterprise and is led to expect profits solely from the efforts of the promoter or a third party, it being immaterial whether the shares in the enterprise are evidenced by formal certificates or by nominal interests in the physical assets employed in the enterprise. The transactions in this case clearly involve investment contracts as so defined, as we just talked about them. The respondent companies are offering something more than simple interests in land, something different from a farm or orchard coupled with management services. They are offering an opportunity to contribute money and to share in the profits of a large citrus fruit enterprise managed and partly owned by respondents. So, In Howie, in the SEC rules, you've got an obligation to register, find an exemption or otherwise deal with the sale of securities into the United States. And now with Earth2, you've got a website that talks about things like fluctuating land value represented by different companies and also talks about how you're going to participate in the ads that they sell, in the treasure that they put, in what other people do. You have entered into an investment contract because you intend to make profits and are in fact being sold on making profits in a common enterprise run by this company that is going to be generated not by your own efforts, but by the efforts of that company or by other investors. And that to me looks like you are probably selling securities, which brings in a whole host of issues because foreign private issuers, even though they don't have to abide by the same standards as a U.S. issuer selling into the United States, still have to do certain amounts of registration and reporting, especially if they have $10 million in more or in assets, if they have 2,000 or more holders of these equity securities, or 500 persons who are not accredited investors. We've talked about accredited investors in virtual legality before, but for purposes of making this video as short as I can make it, it means rich folks. It means people that make more than a couple hundred thousand dollars a year or have more than a million dollars in assets or some other categories that otherwise qualify you under the SEC rules as someone who they think they can just assume is sophisticated in investment transactions. If there are more than 300 U.S. residents that own these investment contracts with Earth2, then Earth2 has to potentially be filing and registering and doing all this other stuff in the United States. And we've received no indication that that has, in fact, been happening. So now we've got a situation where we're looking at this and we say, hmm, okay, some people think it's a pyramid scheme. Some people think it's a Ponzi scheme. Some people just think it's a scam because it doesn't seem likely that it's going to make a game ever. And that's not the best legal background because, hey, a lot of people can dream. And if you're upfront about where you're at in your current status, 
then that's not necessarily fraud. Uh, but you do have now this securities problem, which says, mm, are you registered? Are you complying with laws? If you aren't, there's a whole host of things that could come down on you from the SEC. In fact, the SEC is looking at these kinds of issues right now. This is the Los Angeles Times from just five days ago. SEC sues five BitConnect promoters over $2 billion scheme. It says federal regulators sued five individuals for helping BitConnect, a cryptocurrency exchange platform, raise more than $2 billion from retail investors in an offering that wasn't registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. We allege that these defendants unlawfully sold unregistered digital asset securities. And if this, Earth 2, if this land winds up looking like an investment contract, or perhaps worse, a cryptocurrency, and we'll see why that might be the case in this very video, then the SEC looks at these things closely and has been looking at them more and more closely in the past couple of years. Why? Because if you look at the Federal Trade Commission or the Department of Justice or these various other platforms, one of the warnings they give about pyramid schemes and Ponzi schemes and just schemes and fraud in general is that there are always a lot of people that are trying to take advantage of recently deregulated industries, of technology words like blockchain and NFT and Bitcoin and what have you. And so they're always focused on those industries to look at things like this. Even if it takes a few years, BitConnect actually uh, went basically under a few years ago. And we're going to talk about BitConnect because it's actually a part of this Earth 2 story. So that's the lay of the land in terms of scheming and fraud and that kind of thing. So Earth 2 has its own issues. Uh, someone could make a plausible argument that it's a pyramid scheme, probably not a Ponzi scheme. They could make a plausible argument if they really don't think that there's any chance that what they are purporting could happen. The Ready Player One virtual environment is all pie in the sky. You could make a claim based on someone thinking that they were investing in that. But even the way that this site carries itself with the ticker, with the benefits page, it really reminds me of setting up a new market more than anything else. And that runs afoul of potential securities laws. And I'd be very interested to see exactly what kind of compliance mechanisms, if any, they have done, because I am certainly not aware of them. And I, I checked the usual places for those compliance mechanisms. Worse, potentially, for someone that just wants to invest in this, are the terms set forth in the terms and conditions. And we're going to talk about them. They are some of the worst terms and conditions for the user uh, that I have seen in the past. But... Bad terms and conditions are not necessarily illegal. In fact, bad terms and conditions that are made clear is actually a kind of defense to fraud. And we're going to talk about that because they're pretty upfront with what I think a lot of people think is their ultimate quote unquote scam maneuver, which is converting their interests in both their e-currency and the, the land itself, the digital land assets into a different cryptocurrency to try to make money that way. And they say that in these terms and conditions. And to some extent, that's a defense to them actually taking that step. One of the problems with BitConnect and some other schemes that we have seen in cryptocurrency is that they did it and it wasn't clear that they were going to do that or that they had the rights to do that. And then you get into real big problems. Now, burying a term like that in the middle of a terms and conditions document, you could argue doesn't actually affect the knowledge that you need to affect in the user. And that's a different fight. But when we look at these bad terms and conditions, just keep in mind that actually saying the bad stuff is in some respects a legal defense for companies like this one. First, we see if you access this website in a jurisdiction other than New South Wales, Australia, you are responsible for compliance with the laws of that jurisdiction to the extent that they apply. If a dispute arises out of this website or basically anything that you do with Earth 2, you have to go to New South Wales, Australia to actually serve a court process and you have to be considered under the laws of New South Wales, Australia. So I can't tell you, I know the New South Wales, Australia laws. It'd be interesting to see why that was picked, whether it's just their home base or whether they think there's some other kind of advantage in the securities laws or elsewise in that jurisdiction. But suffice it to say, they say compliance is on you. Not too unusual, but certainly an open question for something that is as unique an offering as Earth 2. Your non-compliance with any request we make in relation to your account will result in suspension or termination of your account. Wow. We talked about looking at some bad terms and conditions here. That is a ridiculous one. We've talked about terms and conditions with respect to Facebook and Twitch and Twitter and YouTube and everywhere else. 
and in general, how vague they are, how umbrella-like they are. And this might be the worst that we have seen. This isn't actually tied to anything else that they have said. If we make any request, not a reasonable request, not a lawful request, not something compelled by government agency or elsewise, if we make any request and you don't comply with it, we can terminate your account. Now, remember, your account is where they are keeping the ledger of your credits that you purchased for U.S. dollars or U.S. dollars equivalent, as well as the land that you purportedly have an investment stake in. And they can kill it if they make a request of you, reasonable or not, and you fail to comply with it. That's a dagger right there. If a client were to ask me to review a document like this, I'd say you cannot sign anything with this sentence in it. But that's definitely not the end of the story. First, we're going to highlight the member's obligations here in Clause 5. You will not post or transmit any material or information or conduct any dealing or otherwise treat virtual land in a way which is likely, which is or is likely to be offensive, according to who? According to Earth 2, defamatory, obscene, unlawful, misleading, deceptive, vulgar, harmful, threatening, abusive, harassing, or ethnically or religiously objectionable. Now, that's a heck of a phrase. Again, what does religiously objectionable mean to you? Does that mean disparaging someone's religion? Or does that mean saying something that somebody's religion doesn't like? Do we start to get into things and say, hey, maybe certain denominations don't like saying certain things about specific types of people. If I say something about them, am I religiously objectionable? Does that give you the right? Now, it doesn't matter because they have this broad right to terminate my account anyway, but we'll see that this Clause 5 actually gives them a super right as we continue with their terms of service. Next, we get an indemnification provision. I'm skipping a lot here. You indemnify us and our related bodies, corporate and or directors and employees against any claim by a third party arising out of a breach of these terms. Okay, that's fair. I indemnify you if I breach the terms, even if the terms are ridiculous, that's a standard kind of provision. But who does that apply to? Either by you or by any person using your password or ID. It's like, okay, well, that's a little broad, but if I gave someone my password, I was already breaching the term, so you could have gotten me anyway. Well, hold on, let's continue. Whether or not you have authorized that person to use your password or ID. Okay, hold, hold, hold the phone, Earth 2. Someone hacks into my identity, steals my password, breaches your terms, and now I have to indemnify you for the hacker's breach and somebody suing you for something horrible that happened on your website. No. Absolutely not. If I didn't authorize a person to use my password or ID, I'm not going to be responsible for indemnifying you for whatever it is that they wound up doing. You want to add a big old section here that we negotiate about my proper securing of the password and only if I failed to properly secure it or what have you and it gets stolen, then we share some indemnity and some liability here. We could talk about it. This is absurd. So we're now basically on three separate provisions that I wouldn't let a client sign if they were sitting in front of me on this. Next, we get even worse. All subsequent sales of virtual land between registered users must be conducted through the marketplace that we provide on the website for that purpose. Okay, makes sense. You're going to get a transaction fee. Ostensibly, that's what it's going to keep some of the lawyers at bay because you're not taking a percentage directly from just gathering membership or referrals. You're taking a transaction fee and you did something to deserve that. You're doing something on the back end to move these things around to indicate ownership. And so you deserve some kind of transaction fee. I understand that. I have to go through your marketplace. But what's this next sentence? We do not promise that the marketplace will be always available. I mean, okay. Or that there will be an uninterrupted connection between the marketplace and any payment account. Really? Okay. So I have to go through the marketplace. That's where the value in the assets that I have given to you lives because this is effectively a securities market. And you can shut down the marketplace at any time. And what happens when you shut down a marketplace? Well, we're going to see what happens when you shut down a marketplace when we look at the BitConnect story a little bit later on in this video, but nothing good for the value of what you have associated with that marketplace. So now we've got problems with that. Ordinarily, if this were an enterprise type contract between two companies, we'd have something like a service level agreement that says you're going to promise that this thing that is super important to the value proposition here is going to stay up 99.95% of the time or something along those lines. They don't make that promise because they don't want that liability, but it presents a problem for people that are really honestly investing in things that they are purporting to sell. Sales of virtual land will be conducted in credits on the website that are equivalent to US dollars. You put US dollars in, those aren't US dollars. They become, if you look at this ticker, E dollars, Earth dollars maybe, 
It is each user's responsibility to ensure they have sufficient credits to perform any transaction. Transactions made using credits are ultimately settled through payments of USD amounts equivalent to the website credits between payment accounts, credit cards, or any other method that we accept from time to time. For instance, we may in the future expand to accept payment in one or more cryptocurrencies. Hmm, might you. Next, we have perhaps one of the worst provisions in these terms and conditions. The website will maintain a register of account balances and credits for convenience. This is the only place you can access the darn thing. This is where you put money in, where you're holding your assets. The accounts behind the payment methods are operated separately from us, and we are not responsible for their operation balances or accuracy. I'm sorry, hold the phone. Again, we've got a lot of phones being held right now, I understand. But you're saying that you're running something that has a ticker that establishes value. You have two or three separate pages that talk about making investments and making things profitable and selling these things around, and you mandate that we go through your marketplace on your website, but it's operated by a third party and we are disclaiming entirely whether they're accurate, whether they properly represent balances. If they all turn to zero dollars tomorrow, ah, that's on the third party. We're not responsible. Again, sitting here as a corporate lawyer, I look at that and say, no, 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 we would never sign something like that. If you are the closest party to another vendor, if this is a subcontractor of yours, you're going to take as part of your obligations to us responsibility for what that subcontractor does. I don't care how you get the marketplace up and running. I do care that it's functional and accurate when we're talking about US dollars. This is not something that you can have a provision like this. on. now understand this is kind of normal for software contracts to say essentially, hey, we are disclaiming if this thing functions properly, if any of this works. It's a little bit different when you're talking about something equivalent to banking and securities finance and investment contracts and that kind of thing. It's one of the reasons why those industries are regulated. And yet we get a term like this and now I'm running far, far away. If I didn't have enough red flags up, I've got enough language here to say, no, never, ever, ever would I sign this agreement. If the registered user who holds the rights in any virtual land wishes to sell that virtual land, it can place the land for sale on the marketplace. Other registered users can bid on that virtual land and the successful buyer as determined by the seller, which opens up a whole can of worms because it's not just the highest amount, it sounds like. The seller gets to pick the winner and so you'd have all sorts of problems with facilitating biases in the United States and all sorts of kinds of things that you didn't usually want to mess with if you're just kind of trying to be a facilitating marketplace. They will become eligible to take ownership of the virtual land subject to paying the agreed upon price to the seller and payment to us of the relevant transaction fee. This is one of the places where we make our money. Without limiting any aspect of part B of these terms, you must not acquire virtual land for the purpose of inciting religious or racial tensions or engage in any conduct or behavior in connection with virtual land that is designed or is likely to incite religious or racial tensions. In addition to the other rights we may have under these terms, such as just ordering you to do something in your non-compliance resulting in termination, and under applicable law, including the right to cancel your membership without compensation, we may elect to compulsorily acquire virtual land from you without notice for the same price as you first paid for the land if we reasonably consider that you have breached this clause or clause five of part B of these terms. That's why I highlighted clause five. So understand what's happening here. They're selling a piece of investment. That's why they run these numbers up the way they do. They're encouraging people to invest in these various countries slash companies that they're helping facilitate the investment in. They're taking a transaction fee for the actual sales. Oh, and by the way, if we determine that your behavior is designed or is likely to, as only we can determine, incite religious or racial tensions, which are bad, bad things. And so you can understand certain rules around that. Or if you find yourself saying something vulgar or offensive as determined by us, then we can take this land that you have invested in and buy it from you, not from the price that it might receive on the open market, but instead for the price that you originally paid for it. Now, if you look at that term and say, wow, Rick, that sounds like it could be abused by someone that doesn't want to pay out on a big number or sees some possibility of making a lot of money by just claiming that there is a racial or religious tension by something that you said, I would agree with you. Earth 2 could just essentially go and take that land from you for the original price you paid. Now that it's quote unquote worth 200, 2000% more, take it from you, sell it back onto the market and take that gain away from you based on terms like this. 
Again, when you're talking about finances, when you're talking about money, you got to watch terms like this in the terms and conditions. And again, if I hadn't run away already from this document, I've run further away now when I'm reading that. We will settle any disputes in relation to any ownership of virtual land according to the process that we maintain for that purpose from time to time. I'm sorry, what? Why even include this sentence? We will settle disputes according to whatever process we maintain for that purpose. What does that even mean? Are you going to start to dunk people in water to determine who's the proper owner of the land? Are you going to float ducks in a river? Maybe a nice duck race. Those are good charitable initiatives. You could do that to figure out what virtual land costs should be. According to the process that we maintain means absolutely nothing. And this kind of vagueness when dealing with actual money is a problem, but maybe not as much of a problem as this. We reserve the right in the future to convert your holding of virtual land or any equivalent credits held in the Earth 2 platform to an equivalent value of a cryptocurrency that we may create in the future. Any conversion would be conducted at a valuation reasonably determined by us. Now, at least they put the word reasonably in there, right? But understand what's happening here. You've put in US dollars into their marketplace that they also disclaim any ability to actually track. But you've put those dollars in and they say, you know what, we're going to start... Uh, Earth 2 crypto bucks and Earth 2 crypto bucks actually exchange uh, one Earth 2 crypto buck for each, oh, I don't know, uh, 100,000 E dollars, which is what you transferred your US dollars in. And uh, we'll evaluate, I guess, what the value of the land is. Even though we can't do it for purposes of this section up here, we'll figure out what the value of your land is. Maybe we'll only pay for the original purchase price. We'll convert that all into a new cryptocurrency that can't be used outside of our marketplace, which we disclaim actually functioning in an appropriate way. And then I guess you're just stuck with that currency until you can figure out a way to cash out. Now, what is interesting about that story is going back to BitConnect, right? BitConnect, as described here in TechCrunch, was an anonymously run site where users could loan their cryptocurrency to the company in exchange for outsized returns, depending on how long the loan was for. For example, a $10,000 loan for 180 days would purportedly give you 40% returns each month, which is insane. If you go to a bank or a venture capitalist or a hedge fund or anybody else, 40% returns is insane. That's what gets you into that Ponzi scheme kind of look is when you got the guaranteed returns of a ridiculously high amount, it starts to look like, oh, you're probably paying those out from other investors in, in red flags and red alerts and everything else. BitConnect also had a thriving multi-level referral feature, which also made it somewhat akin to a pyramid scheme. So it's, it's covering all its bases with thousands of social media users trying to drive signups using their referral code, which is in fact, what we see happening with Earth 2. All BitConnect loans were denominated in US dollars, just like Earth 2, but had to be made in BCC, the platform's native cryptocurrency. So in order to make a loan, users would have to deposit Bitcoin into the platform, exchange it for BCC at whatever the market rate was, and loan interest in principle was paid out in BCC, meaning users would have to convert it back to Bitcoin after the loan term was finished. And then what happens when the market closes? BitConnect closes virtually its entire operation. BCC token drops 87%. Everybody loses everything. And you see people referencing it as Ponzi schemes. You see the LA Times reporting on the SEC suing the promoters of BitConnect. And this does, as a company, have certain indicia of a similar kind of plan. Now, as we talked about before we started talking about these terms and conditions, actually saying this here is at least somewhat exculpatory. They've explained to the user that this is what's going to happen or what we anticipate might happen. And you're giving them permission by agreeing to the terms of service here. And so they can point to that if and when they get sued for a move like that, if everything loses value and if the promoters wind up getting sued by the SEC. And so this is maybe better than something like BitConnect, but even though it should raise those red flags, it does suggest that maybe this is really just a securities market. That's a cryptocurrency mechanism to get you invested in a new cryptocurrency. I can't promise you that. I don't know what's going on in their back offices, but I certainly understand why people are reacting to it that way. And then you get some other more genteel as far as this document goes, but still bad terms and conditions. Transactions involving virtual land between us and any registered user and between registered users they may, may be subject to tax. A user is responsible for all the taxation consequences of its use of the website. Really? 
So again, we talked about the fact that you earn your money by getting uh, the people together, by having this marketplace, you get something like a transaction fee. Ordinarily, as part of facilitating a transaction, you would have some awareness of what the tax situation is for these kinds of things. And you wouldn't just be like, hey, you know, you, you bought some digital land, you, you might have a tax. Uh, we don't know. We're in Australia or the UK, I think one of their companies is. Uh, and so it's on you. It's on you to comply with laws. We saw that above. It's on you to figure out the tax uh, and we'll just take our cut. And then we're going to throw in an Australian goods and services tax like section that may or may not relate to what you just bought and doesn't really say anything based on what Earth 2 actually is. So we hope that's helpful to you. Next, we get into liability. To the maximum extent permitted by law and subject to the rest of this section, we are not liable for any loss or damage, however caused, including by negligence, suffered in connection with virtual land. Negligence. They make a mistake. They do something idiotic. They acknowledge they made a mistake. And let's say it took your account down to zero just by mistake. They didn't do it willfully. They're not liable for that. Even though they admit that they were negligent. Hey, probably shouldn't have made that mistake. Sorry about that. And oh, by the way, if that related in some fashion to something else, loss of revenues, loss of reputation, loss of profits, uh, loss of bargain, indirect loss, lost opportunities, loss or damage in connection with third-party claims, Maybe you were helping to invest for a third party and the third party now sues you. Eh, sorry, uh, we're not liable for any of that. Now, that's a very, very, very low standard for this liability. Ordinarily, we'd argue about whether or not it should be gross negligence or maybe even willful misconduct and these kinds of things. If you do these things, you owe us money. We're not liable for any loss or damage, however caused, including by negligence. And then it says, hey, there might be a law that says we can't do it quite that much. And that would be true in various jurisdictions. And yet there the language sits. Termination policy. A user's account may be immediately terminated or suspended, not just for not complying with whatever we request we make, but also if you transmit information that is likely to embarrass or annoy any other person. Again, these are financial accounts. What are you talking about? Or, hey, for convenience upon Earth version two, this company, providing written notice, not for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, just for convenience. Hey, you know what? We don't like you. We're just closing all the accounts. My goodness. I mean, these terms and conditions, am I right? In the case of credits, refunding the user the original purchase price of the credits, and in the case of virtual land, refunding the user the original price of the digital asset. That's what happens if an account is terminated without cause, undefined. Now, this section one is probably cause, this is what I would probably define cause as, but they didn't define it terribly well. Not listening to one of their orders is probably cause. So if you embarrass someone, that's cause. If you annoy someone, that's cause. Even if you don't do those things, but they determine that it's likely to do any of those things, that's probably cause. And it's only if you get terminated for this convenience kind of concept that you get your credits back at whatever the kind of conversion rate into real currency is. And then you get your virtual land price back. Again, not at the price that it might be in the marketplace that you could probably ascertain just like you would with real property, but instead at the price you actually originally paid for it. So again, this is like the third way in which this company can go and take back land that is accrued in value for essentially nothing. And these are the kinds of things you worry about when you read terms and conditions. If we terminate your account, we will have no further obligations or liabilities to you. If you hold any digital assets at the time that your account is terminated, our digital asset terms will govern the treatment of those digital assets. We'll refund this kind of stuff. Or we won't if we determine that we closed you for cause. And then we get into the specifics of digital asset trades. And this is how they get into a little bit more uh, hot water with respect to whether or not these are financial instruments. Digital asset trades. First, we acknowledge again that they get their applicable fees or charges. They also reserve the right to cancel, reserve, or reverse any trades where there has been, quote unquote, an error in pricing of the digital asset or malfunction or misuse of the website. Hey, you know what? We think that pricing was wrong, so we're going to reverse it. Maybe we priced our currency incorrectly. Maybe something else happened. Maybe we just don't want that transaction to go through, and they have the right to reverse it. Then they ask for a whole lot of promises from the user. First, that the user acknowledges that Earth engages in the purchase and sale of digital assets, including any such transactions contemplated by these terms solely on a proprietary basis for its own account. And if Earth enters into a trade, it does so solely on a bilateral basis. It's doing its own thing. Earth is not offering, arranging for, or providing a financial product or financial advice to the user. Hmm, isn't it though? Financial product, that's interesting. You're clearly worried about it, and I think rightly so. 
Earth is not providing and will not provide any fiduciary, advisory, brokerage, exchange, or other similar services to the user or in connection with any trade. Are you getting the picture here? They know that this looks a lot like a security. It looks a lot like an investment contract, if not a cryptocurrency directly. And so they're trying to get the user to acknowledge and agree that that's not what's happening here. I got news for you. The regulatory bodies aren't going to care about this if it comes down to it. They also asked the user to acknowledge that speculation in respect of digital assets is extremely risky and that digital assets may have extreme price volatility and users have no guarantee that any digital asset they purchase will have any value in the future. Now, what does that sound like? That sure sounds like a disclaimer that you might see on an investment document for the equity securities of a company. Then they say users have no alienable property rights in any digital assets offered on the website and those digital assets have no use outside of the website. If it comes down to it, if you want to sue over your property rights to these digital assets like it's real property, like it's land, they're trying to say that the users have acknowledged that they can't do that. I don't know whether that'll work in various courts around the world, but it's very interesting when you combine this with the rest of the terms and conditions, when you combine this with the overall structure of the company to see a provision like this where they say, no, no, just so we're clear, we call them assets. They're not assets. You don't have property rights in those. It's just a contract term. We could cut off the whole account. Earth version two is not a custodian acting for the user and all transfers of assets to accounts nominated by Earth version two are ledger entries only. We're not a fiduciary. We are not a brokerage firm. We are not a bank. We are not taking any responsibility for any of this. Okay, that might be up to the users. Doesn't make it fraud necessarily, but it makes it a very questionable investment for the people to give this company money. All transactions entered into and conducted under these terms are deemed to have occurred within the jurisdiction of New South Wales, Australia. Good luck to that. This is where they try to establish that these securities, if they are securities, are Australian and not being sold into the United States. Uh, That might be something that the SEC winds up having a chat with them about. Users engaged in trades and obtains and transmit data in connection with the same entirely at the user's own risk. Trades are provided on an as-is basis and Earth version 2 does not make any representations or warranties as to the security or availability of trades of digital assets or that the user's access or use of trades will be uninterrupted, timely, or secure at all times. Now, that's bad in context. As I said, that's pretty normal for software. We're not going to guarantee that the software is always going to be up and running. But this all reads like what you would see in the representations and warranties of a stock purchase agreement, of an offering document from a company, because that looks to be the kind of thing that is happening here. The user warrants and assures Earth version 2 that it is sufficiently experienced and educated to make decisions regarding the trades. That's exactly what the SEC asks for. That's exactly what, when you're selling securities into a market, you look for as a representation. They also ask the user to warrant it has all necessary experience, resources, certificates, licenses, permits, and approvals to request trades. What might those be? Earth version two, you're just talking about digital assets, right? This isn't a brokerage. There's no financial commitments or contracts. Isn't that what you just said above? What kind of resources, certificates, or licenses could I need? Well, Earth version two isn't offering any help there because users have to meet all of their obligations under and in an accordance with this agreement and all applicable laws, or they'll just terminate your account. If requested by Earth version two, the user will identify and substantiate the source of all funds the user uses to engage in trades. You sign up to this, you've agreed to tell them where you get your money. Now, ostensibly that's so they can show a regulatory body that it didn't come from conflict diamonds or whatever, but I don't know how many users understand that this might come up, that Earth version 2 or the regulatory bodies themselves might ask for where this money is coming from completely. Why? Because you can use an unregistered securities market to launder money. And that's the kind of thing that regulatory agencies are concerned about. Next, you get indemnities. These indemnities are actually fairly normal. You indemnify Earth version 2 and their personnel for a breach of the terms just by you here. Thank God. And for any breach of applicable laws. The problem, of course, being we don't know what applicable laws are here because there's all sorts of additional language. Limitation of liability in the absence of a material breach of this agreement by Earth version 2 or gross negligence, fraud, or willful misconduct, Earth version 2 will not be liable to the user on an account of anything done, omitted, or suffered by Earth version 2 in good faith when conducting the trades. So we saw their overall limitation of liability on using the website in doing the trades themselves between users They do agree to take on liability, it would seem, for fraud, willful misconduct, or gross negligence. And gross negligence is a legal term of art. It means something like high negligence. It's a lot closer to willful misconduct than just making a mistake. 
Earth version 2's liability to any user will be capped at the maximum amount Earth version 2 received from that user in the six months prior to any claim being made. A couple of things happening here. One, a standard contract would say this limit of a number doesn't apply to gross negligence, fraud, or willful misconduct. If you defraud me, you don't get a cap on your liability. If you engage in willful misconduct, you aimed something at me, you don't get a cap on your liability. The second part of this is that six months is an extraordinarily low cap for that liability, especially if these numbers are as high as some of these YouTubers have suggested that they are. The market standard for something like this is probably 12 months. Uh, I've seen 18 or 24. Uh, I've seen numbers put in here, but six months is a very low bar. So they're not uncapping things for gross negligence, fraud, or willful misconduct. And the cap that they're placing on it is very, very low. And when you combine that with the rest of this document, what you've got is a company that a lot of people pointed me to. I don't necessarily think it will ever be a video game per se, but that represents something that I think a lot of folks have rightly flagged as something that even if it isn't an illegal scam or pyramid scheme or Ponzi scheme, or even if it's complying with securities laws or would fight whether or not it's selling securities, is an investment, is something that you'd put money into that I would have to caution very strongly against just based on the terms of service, just based on this conditions document, because they take so many opportunities to disclaim things like the marketplace being available, like the ledgers being properly and accurately assessed, like what their liabilities should be for problems related to either of those and their rights to terminate accounts for quote unquote cause for virtually any reason that I think you are looking at a company that at the end of the day is something that people should be wary of even if some of this might be overblown. And that's been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this, we're talking about the business and law of technology, video games, video games and technology all the time. Please consider supporting the channel at Patreon, Streamlabs, buying something from the store, or just subscribing, telling your friends, ringing the bell, leaving a comment, doing all the good things that the YouTube algorithm likes. I very much appreciate it. Every little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.